we? <laughs> what is? What year is it? <laughs> Babe, it's 2023. Oh my god. We're doing Ars Arcanum again. Oh my god. When's the last time we did this podcast? It's born. <laughs> I know that. Did we live in Chicago yes. the last time we did this podcast? <laughs> I want to say it was summertime. Yeah, that sounds right. Or possibly a year ago. That sounds That sounds about right. I'm going to throw out eight months, and then I'm going to open this page. It's going to be more than eight months. You're going to be like, it's been 12 months? I don't, I don't know. It's going to be more than eight months. I'm taking the over. Uh, it is it's a year been... ago. <laughs> give, me, give me an exact date on this bad boy here. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do that. Dude, go to edit. February 10th, 2022, 11 months. No, 13 months. <laughs> but what happened since then? Uh, Brandon. Happened. Yeah, Brandon happened mostly. Partially. He's not fully released yet. Yeah. Hey, what that's was my that? phone. That's my phone charging over there. This is the most unprofessional <laughs> bullshit. I'll leave it. No, because at some point, <laughs> the group chat's going to start being like, oh, you played Oberden? How was Oberden? I really enjoyed Oberden. Just like, bop, 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 bop. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're back. Um, it's been a minute. Um, you'll notice we're not joined by Mark. Um, this is a duo pod. We're here to talk we're, about... We're joined by the truck outside. <laughs> it's the year of Brandon. It's the year of Brandon. The, we're three months in. The Secret Project books are releasing. The first sort one of. is not out yet, but we've read it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so... Let's... We have people that listen to these podcasts that are not into Brandon in the way that we're into Brandon. Brandon Sanderson did a Kickstarter. It's the biggest Kickstarter on the site ever. Yes. he's He wrote four books. And in secret, and he's putting them out this year quarterly, and the other months that don't have a book release are getting boxes of uh, swag uh, yeah. sent out. Loot and crates. So we've got the February and March boxes, but we still don't have the January box, which would have been Tress and the Emerald Sea. Yes, of the Emerald Sea. Of the Emerald Sea. Um, yeah. So so January rolled around, and the Tress box was not ready to go. Um, and Brandon and his team sent out the February box a month early. They sent out the March box a month early. Uh, and now it's March and we're still waiting for our, our, listen, listen. It seems like the, we, the we, printer might have dropped the ball on this one. They said they were looking for a new yeah. printer or whatever to like to, fulfill this one. To, to fully put this into context, first of all, cards on the table... The two of us spent seven hundred dollars on this Kickstarter. Like, like, let's just be honest about like it a was. Good we chunk backed... of that was actually your dad paying for it. Yes, <laughs> yes. It was that my dad sent me money to like help with bills and stuff? And or, we... what was your birthday last year? Oh yeah. <laughs> it would have been early. Yes, in the... yes. He yeah. said that for my birthday, and we we. Spent seven hundred dollars on this Kickstarter. We backed the six hundred dollar tier, and then there was a hundred and twenty in shipping. I think was how it broke down. No, oh, I didn't pay for the shipping. No, you paid for the shipping. I paid for half you, of the normal. You no, we just went half and half across the thing. So, um, I didn't pay for the shipping. 
You did. You did. Um, to, to put this into perspective, for people who maybe people have know that Brandon had the biggest Kickstarter ever, he made just shy of forty-two million dollars on the Kickstarter. Yeah, like like Brandon is a force unto himself, and these are all self-published novels. Like he's not going through tour. Um, it, Brandon, you read the credits on these books now. This is a like large corporate operation like a huge number of people work on these books um that are you know quote-unquote self-published but like this is the amount of money a publisher would be spending on a book you know like this is a huge deal um and yeah so so we're a little bummed that we don't have our leather bound tresses yet but um we'll only have one yeah, we were a little bummed we don't have our leather-bound tress yet, but... It'll it'll go in my bookshelf, not yours. It'll go on my bookshelf. Well, my bookshelf's the one with all the Brandon in it. You'll go on your bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's a... It has got... Brandon, a, I would say, very polite person in public. I've never known him to, to badmouth anybody he's collaborated with. The the situation, or even complain, really. Yeah, uh, he complained about Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> did specifically not he somebody did, he worked <laughs> with. <laughs> he did complain that that Activision didn't call him to get get him a to get him in on that Elden Ring. He's he did complain about that. Um, he, you can't get get that man to not also be like, oh, I've got this game mechanic idea. This is how you should yeah. present this thing I wrote. Yeah, somebody somebody had that phone call and he was like, I brought a game design document and they I said... I don't think he had that phone call. No, thank you. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we are here, we are going to read all four of the books this year and put episodes out this year of those four books and we will at some point get started on Mistborn again, but stuff just got in the way. Yeah, li- life uh, found a way. To ruin our podcast. To ruin our podcast. Um, we I might think... re-examine the pace of the podcast moving forward as well. At the at the bare minimum, bare minimum, when we come back with Mistborn, with just normal-ass Cosmere coverage... Oh, that's another thing. I think two of these books are going to be Cosmere. Tress is a Cosmere book, and two of these books are not Cosmere, or it's three. One is not Cosmere. It's three that are Cosmere, and one's non-Cosmere. I think that's... Or... I think that's right. I think one is a completely separate original thing. But there might be one that's Saito, Saitoverse. That would make sense. Um, for, for people who don't know, Saitoverse is his like YA science fiction universe that does not intersect with the Cosmere in any way, shape, or form. Um, and right now, can't. Yeah. But I'm... He could always change his mind. Yeah, that, that man, he could change his mind any day. Whatever. Um... We should talk about Tress, but yeah, we'll do, we're we're going to do, this this year, we are going to do at the bare minimum four episodes about these four books, and I would like to get back to doing this somewhat regularly, and when we do, when we get back to covering Mistborn, I just want to finish the Final Empire. Like, I don't want to, we can negotiate, like, how we want to approach, you know, future books. But I think we just need to get the final empire off our plate, yeah, and and sort of reset with, you know, maybe in Hero of Ages we'll do two episodes. We cover the first half and the second half, or maybe we do it all in one go. I don't know. We can figure that out when we get there. 
You see, Brandon, I can. Brandon does split his books into like six acts anyway, so. I can never remember. Is it Will of Ascension or Hero of Ages? Which one's the second book? Will of Ascension. Will of Ascension. Okay. It's the book where the Well of Ascension is in it. The Well of Ascension is in all three of them. That is not the case. Oh, okay, okay. So. <laughs> no, no, first of all, I'm right. You're not right. I am right. You're not right. I am correct. You're not correct. I am correct. That is not correct. <laughs> anyway. The Well of Ascension does not appear in the first or third Mistborn novels. It does. It does not. It's <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's not... I had to edit out you telling me a fact that is almost true, but not true. <laughs> Um, so, we should talk about, Tress is a book, what is the, like, before we get into talking about, you know, plot and characters and stuff, I, I should, one last bit of table setting is that Sanderson wrote this book in, um, 2020, um, near the beginning of the pandemic, um, in his words, it was, you know, he, the, the man is a workaholic. That's he, that's not his words. That's me. The man is a workaholic, and the man has a very regimented schedule. And he suddenly found himself not having to make, not having to do book signings, not having to make convention appearances, not having to tour at all. And all of a sudden, he had a huge no amount of free time. And allegedly, allegedly, he wrote this book. For just his wife. When he wrote Tress of the Emerald Sea, this is the first of the... He had a bunch of free time and he wrote four extra books. In his words, he only wrote this book for his wife to read. And sometimes that really shows, and sometimes I think he's full of shit. <laughs> um, I, would, I would be shocked if this was not... Um, did not undergo another editing pass between when it was just for his wife and when it the published book that we read mm -hmm. because um there are just times i just don't believe him that this was only for her i could believe this as a novella yeah <clears throat> i think the first act is very believably that yes absolutely i don't think that he wrote the ending yeah part no, for his no. wife no, unless his wife really cares about Hoyd, which, I, you know what, she probably Who does. Who doesn't care about <laughs> Hoyd? Um, Let's begin yeah. at the only place we can. The beginning. That's right. Uh, Tress, uh, okay. Not her name. Her name is Tress. Her nickname is Tress. Her nickname is Tress, thank you. Um, I read this book in January. You read this book last week. I will probably be wrong about the details, but I do think this is one of Brandon's better novels. And so I think I'm going to be... If I was making a tier list, this would be in the A tier. It wouldn't be in the S tier. It would be in the A tier. I think that's true. Um, yeah, I don't think it's yeah. one of his best novels. Not, I think he's written many I didn't, more. I didn't say better. it was one of his best novels. Mm. I said it was one of his better novels. There's, mm. a, there's a different superlatives. This ain't Oathbringy. This ain't the Emperor's soul. This ain't Emperor's soul, but it's pretty good. So, Tress is a young girl, um, uh, <clears throat> and Brandon adopts this very cutesy narrative voice uh, as he describes her as very plain, very... 
the Spotify know. description for the audiobook describes this book as for fans of The Princess Bride, and I think that is exactly what Brandon is doing. Yes. As he is trying to write inside of a Princess Bride style um voice. Yes. Tress is a very plain girl. She's very average. She's very, you know, but um, she's not like other girls because because she is ordinary. Yes. Uh other girls are always saying how they're not like other girls and Tress is not like other girls because she's always talking about how she's just like the other girls basically. Yeah. She is common born, she is not noble and she uh has a she is has a crush on is in love with um this boy who is the son of the duke of the island that they live on called the rock called the rock um, it's called the rock because it's a rock that's a rock fact and it's small <laughs> it's small it's not a very big island um can she leave the island she cannot leave the island can anyone leave the island no they cannot some people can leave the some island. Bi- if you're on official business yeah if if you get permission from the duke you can leave the, the island from the king yes on a different island yes uh, so ships come and go sometimes, but it's not like a constant thing, it doesn't sound like. Uh, but there's a salt mine. There's a salt mine. That's important, uh, because of the oceans. Yes. So, the the oceans are not water. They are spores. Yeah, fungus. The, the spores rain down from the moons, of which there are... Two? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in the ballpark. <laughs> because there's all the different types of spore that all become different things when they get wet. Yes. Uh, very similar to how things in Stormlight are in tens. Mm-hmm. Or Mistborn is at sixteens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Verdant Sea is where we begin. Tress of the Emerald Sea. And emerald spores become vines when they get wet. Yes. And specifically, like, spores can be really bad news because, like, if you swallow them, you know, your saliva, whatnot, and now you... all of the moisture in your body. Yeah, now all of a sudden you have, like, vines bursting out of everything, and it sounds pretty gruesome. Like, people die of spore poisoning, and uh, it's bad. It's like, you know... Brandon is never going to go full-on body horror, but it's like the closest... But they do describe... But he does write a thing about the vines coming out of your face and everything. Yeah, he, like, this is the closest he's going to get. He gets, like, um, PG-13. Well, and I guess he does the body horror in Elantris. What is the body horror in Elantris? He has a me? weird arm. He does have a weird arm. He does have a weird arm. That's so true. The king. I miss Diloph. I miss Freythan. <laughs> I miss Freythan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh elantris is terrible elantris is <laughs> we crucial. watched we watched a a video uh from murphy napier where she asked brandon to rank all of his own books on a tier list but, but the criteria was how much fun did you have writing this versus like how much of a challenge was it to write this book or you know so it wasn't it Brandon, wasn't, tell me what books are bad. Yeah, it wasn't Brandon, tell me how Elantris sucks. And Brandon, if you come on this podcast, I'm going to do the same thing to you. And you're going to have to tell us what you think of Elantris. I don't want you to fucking... I know you have to sell copies of that book still. I know because you've written two Cosmere books in a row that are like, hey, you should read Elantris. 
<laughs> um, I know that you think that you feel a certain amount of respect for Elantra's. I need you to come on this podcast and tell me to my face that that's a B-tier book in your mind because I think you're fucking wrong. <laughs> Maybe it's different if you read it all in one go. Maybe. I do think it would be better. I don't think it would be good. <laughs> but it, would be, it wouldn't be the lowest, probably. Yeah. I, I do think I, that would go to Alloy of Law. He weirdly was more willing to badmouth Alloy of Law in that. Well, by the time they got to Elantris, it was he had to go. Yeah. So. So who can say? Um. Anyway, we don't need to talk about this YouTube video anymore. The Duke is doesn't like that his son has this girl that he's interested in, so he takes his son away to visit various noble women and see if any of them want to marry him. He is determined to be as boring as possible and rejects everyone's advances. The, the Duke's it, son. Yes. You just said he, and I just wanted to... Eventually, the Duke returns with a new son. Mm-hmm. And claims that this is the same son. <laughs> he says, check out my new son. He's the same guy, but all of a sudden, he's like buff and cool. And then Tress learns that the real son... <coughs> of What's the... his name? So... Charlie. Charlie. His name is Charlie. Charlie uh, was actually abducted by the sorceress who mm-hmm. lives in the... Uh, Red Sea. The Crimson? Midnight Sea. Midnight Sea. The Crimson Sea surrounds the Midnight Sea. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they have to pass through the dragon's lair to get to the sorceress. Because the dragon is in the Crimson Sea. We haven't we'll gotten get, to the dragon. We'll get, we'll get there. There's a dragon. So, <laughs> shut up about the dragon. <laughs> I'm not going to shut up about the dragon. <laughs> She is determined to go and rescue him, and so she stows away on a ship. The ship turns out to be pirates, mm-hmm. and she gets wrapped up in a plot about how the captain is well, trying... She stows away on a ship. That ship is attacked by pirates, and she makes the absolutely insane decision to jump, fr- to cross the Sea of Spores from her ship that she stowed away yes. on to the pirate ship. And the captain of the pirate ship is trying to make everybody become criminals so that they will be willing to sail into the Crimson Sea with her so that she can go to the dragon and get rid of her condition, which is that she's a spore eater. And she's got spores inside her that she's cultivating, and they protect her from harm, but they're also killing her. Eventually, they get there. Tress pulls a fast one on her and gets the dragon to take the captain as a servant when the captain is trying to give him Tress. Mm. So she switches that up and manages to um, get a boon from this dragon, which is uh, three things for three small boons for her friends instead of anything for her. Then they go to the Midnight Sea. Um, she goes alone to the Sorceress's Tower with uh, her talking mouse friend that we yeah. haven't mentioned. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's the big confrontation. Uh, and as she is there all alone, suddenly who should appear but the rest of the crew. Yeah, all her friends that she's made along the way. And we get a very very sort of heavy-handed moral of sometimes you need to accept help from your friends yes because she's because this is what brandon does now i guess is that he will have like a little uh little um 
lesson in these yeah. books now that he's yeah. going to have the characters specifically spell out for you, much like the last Mistborn book did. D- pray tell, what exactly is the lesson of the Way of Kings? <laughs> well, the lesson... <laughs> is, is the lesson that it's cool to fuck people's moms? The lesson of the Lost Metal uh-huh. was all about Wayne being able to accept that he is worthy of being loved by others. Yes. And that was very deliberately, like, said out loud. Well, and then also Wax, uh... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, yeah. No, yes. yeah. It was a big... There was a big thing about Wayne's self-esteem in that book. There was a yes. very deliberate and very clear, yeah. spelled-out moral about that. Yeah. I don't know why this is a new... Brandon move? I, I, I don't know. It's a... It's like I a... guess I guess Oathbringer had something like this. Yeah, it's a tool that he's always had in it's, his toolbox. It's becoming but he's really... more blatant yeah. over time. Yes. Rather than being hidden inside of the plot. Regardless, they return to the rock um, to... Doesn't she stay on the boat? I don't remember. I read this book two months ago. I was hoping that you'd be able to remind me how... The, the epilogue. Uh, well, the epilogue is that they return to the boat to break Charlie's curse. Mm. Because Charlie was the talking mouse friend. Yeah, we we haven't really introduced the kooky cast of characters. We can circle back to that in a second. Um, but then she has her man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't remember. Do they decide to go on more adventures or do they decide to settle down? I think they go on more adventures. Okay. Because she's the captain. I couldn't remember if this is a Hobbit or if this is a, like... This is an origin story. Okay, yeah, thank you. I was trying to think of a contrast to the Hobbit. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, kooky cast of characters. So, but, she she's on, the st- she's on the stowaway ship. She crosses over to the... Let's demarcate this. Yes. Right now, we are in the... Tress exclusive part of the podcast. Yes, we are going... When we finish talking about some of the stuff in Tress, we are going to zoom out into a Cosmere lens and talk about all the What in the Kingiverse stuff in this book. Yeah. What What in the Kingiverse, of course, being a segment of Just King Things where they mention all of the crossovers and references yeah. To other Stephen King books, we're doing what in the Cosmere verse, I guess. <laughs> what in the Cosmere <clears throat> verse? <laughs> it's not anyway. Um so yeah, so uh yeah, that's like an important that's an important line to draw when we're talking about Tress because this book uh is very very engaged with I think if I okay, let me ask you a question because I'm thinking about this for myself, and I just want to ask you: If someone said to you, "Hey, I've never read a Brandon Sanderson book, but Tress of the Emerald Sea sounds interesting to me," would you give it to them? Do you think if someone said that one sounds good, that one sounds up my alley, do you think that you could just hand this to a brand new Cosmere reader? Yeah, I, I th- think. If you read Emerald Tress... Emerald Tress? Yeah, Emerald Tress. If you read Tress and then were asked, what's your favorite guy? And then were given a secondary recommendation through that. That's one valid avenue I can see. Otherwise, um, 
I don't know because a lot of the writing in this is not going to match up with the other books. Yeah, so I think the 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 sort of like the thing that I would say makes this very easy to recommend to somebody who hasn't read Cosmere stuff is the sort of unique narrative voice. Brandon has talked about he he tries to be very plain spoken as far as his narration goes in a lot of his books, and this is a, this is bucking that trend. This He's, book is written in first person. But the POV character is not the hero. It's a character who's just around on the boat. Yes. And and this character is in a lot of other Cosmere books. It's Hoyd. It's Hoyd. And so, like, if you know who Hoyd is, me, immediately, page one, I'm like, oh, Hoyd's narrating this book. This is yes. Hoyd's voice that he's writing in. And Hoyd has such a unique and specific voice in the Sanderson setting that, like, I was like, oh, that's who that is. Cool. But, like, I don't think you need to care about Hoyd to, like, get invested in that. But also, at the end of the book, Hoyd gets a big hero moment in a way that he hasn't in other Cosmere stuff. And I'm sorry to pull out to other Cosmere stuff here, but Hoyd necessitates it to some extent. Um, uh, he gets a big hero moment, and I don't know how well that hero moment plays if you have only read this. I think Sanderson does his best to build this book up for someone who hasn't read any other Cosmere. Hoyt is, like, talked about throughout this whole book as the narrator, and... We should should talk about the There's no, There's not necessarily that much of an implication that he, like, is a powerful, like guy who's really cool and knows mm-hmm. a lot of stuff but it does it is it is really funny if you're reading this without knowing who Hoyt is because it's like oh the goofy guy is secretly really cool mm-hmm. um but because you know who Hoyt is you interpret it differently yeah and the, at that point the thing becomes not who is this guy underneath all these these weird behaviors it's what the hell happened to hoyd and why is he acting like he is in this book right we should we should talk about the kooky cast so we talked about hoyd some hoyd um is the narrator of the book he is on the ship and he has been cursed by the sorceress to um he he people think that he's dumb he's not dumb we know that from other books, and we know that because he's narrating this book, and he's like, I was temporarily dumb, you know? Well, he lost his sense of taste. And, and to not, ho- not his flavor taste. Yeah. His sense of good taste. Yeah, and so he's like, there's a lot of jokes in this about, oh, he thinks that Hawaiian shirts and sandals with socks are really in style, you know? Or, like... He's thinking about... Using dirty socks as a strainer for tea. Right, yeah. Um, and he sort of talks in nonsense. It's a very 15 years ago random... It's a little... If you if you find Deadpool to be a little cringe... It's a little Deadpool. It's a little Deadpool. It's a little Deadpool. And, and it's weird because I have an investment in this character from a bunch of other books... And I also think that if you haven't read any of these books, you could sort of get into it from a, this is kind of like the Princess Bride tone. But I definitely think that 
there is a middle ground between those where you're just like, this is Deadpool, this is cringe, I hate this. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think you're wrong there. There are definitely times where this voice grates against me. But anyway, let's move on to the rest of the cast because we've spent too much time talking about this. The guy. captain. The captain. What's her name? Crow. Crow. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned she has. Uh, she, she's got spores. She's got spores. She's got superpowers. Um, but they're slowly killing her, and she. So she has this plot. They were they were running a normal ass ship, you know, just a merchant ship. And she is going to make the crew turn pirate so that they all become desperate enough that they're going to go do her stupid idea. They were idea. pirates already. They were, oh, they were pirates already, but now they're like for real pirates. Well, they're dead runners, which yeah. means that they kill people. Yes. Most people, they just surrender, give up the whatever it is. You know, we're taking and, all your salt or whatever. And the pirates move on. Yeah. But she's sabotaging the cannons to actually kill people and sink ships rather than um, just to, just entangle them in the... Yeah. Oh, now all of you are outlaws, and now all of you have to go along with me on my cr- stupid idea. And also she has sway over these people because she has superpowers where, you know, a, a mutiny is going to be very challenging, <laughs> you know, uh, because the vines protect her, you know. Um, then we have Fort. Fort? Who's this one? The cook. The cook? Um, Fort is a character who, um, is he deaf or does he, yeah, he's deaf. Um, and so... He's deaf and he also has something with his hands. He has, like, crooked hands or something. Yeah. Um, He has a special magic board that... Is basically gives everyone subtitles on the backside facing him. Yes. And he can tap on it with his hand to use basically like a predictive text thing to uh, spell out words on the front side. Yeah, so he, he communicates with his board. He's very fun. He is a he is a archetype of a character that we've seen a lot in the Cosmere. Um, He's like the redhead from Bridge Four. Yeah. Yeah. You know who I mean. I, I, what's his fucking name? Horn Eater. Yeah. Molly's screaming Gurgles. at us, right? What's no, his name? Molly's screaming at us because this is Molly's favorite guy. And like, is his name Rock? 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 Is his name... Yeah. His name is Rock! His name is Rock. <laughs> or... This other really long thing that I don't know. Uh, I've definitely heard Michael Kramer say that a handful of times, but his name is Rock. Everyone, his name is Rock. Um, yeah, he's 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 the big guy who's very kind to the hero, much like Rock is to Kaladin. Yes, um, he's a little fun-loving. He's a little wise, but he's not like you know, he's not his, a mentor. His, his he's big just deal like... is that he loves bartering. Yes, yes. And his his whole society is of hunters, but not literal hunters. For example, he's a bargain hunter. <laughs> yes, and he 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 likes he has a fun tone where he sees everything very transactionally, but it doesn't feel manipulative. It's like he only does that with people he likes. Yes, and he like um. You just have a hair. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um. He'll be like, 
oh, well, I'll tell you about me if you tell me about you. Um, and, like, is, like, trying to get it to know each other better. Um, and, tr- you know, he's fun. It's it's hard to, especially two months removed from reading the book, it's hard to come up with examples, but I Huck. like him. Huck, talking rat, um, as we alluded to earlier, this is the boyfriend. Um, when he first meets um, Tress... As a now talking rat, he's cursed, so he can't tell her that he's Charlie, right? And so he tries to say Chuck, and it comes out as Huck. And he is, so his curse is that, like, if he can get Tress. He has to bring Tress to the sorceress to be cursed. Yes. And then he will be human again. And so he's constantly. Through the whole book, and I sort of saw this, I sort of saw the twist coming and sort of didn't. I thought it was really well done. Um, Because he'll, like, help Tress out a bunch, and then weirdly sabotage her in in ways that are like, why are you, you were just helpful five minutes ago, why are you sabotaging now? And the answer is that he doesn't want to bring her there. He does not want her to go to the sorceress. He does not want Tress to get cursed, but he is compelled by the curse to to help. And so he's got conflicting motivations, and um, he's fun. He's He's got an anxiety disorder. Um, he uh, he's, talks too much. Um, the, the voice, the, the voice the, that he does? The giveaway, the giveaway to me, actually, I, I did figure it out. I feel like I should have figured it out earlier than I did, and I figured it out, like, maybe a chapter before it was revealed. Because the giveaway is that one of the things that Tress really liked about Charlie was he would tell stories, and he would just talk, like, nonstop for, like, an hour, basically. And she's like, oh, I love that this guy talks, and I can just listen, and I don't have to input into the conversation. And Huck does that. And and Huck does that, too. And, you know... Tress will like you know fall asleep like she'll be anxious and she'll be able to fall asleep because Huck is just like oh well in rat society we do blah 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 and you know it's just it's actually just Charlie making shit up about rats yes there and are no there's no rat society there's no society of rats um a, a little disappointing that there's no secret rat we city somewhere need to talk about the best character do we need to talk about the best character who's the best character Ulam yeah the ship's doctor yeah <laughs> I don't he's know he's a weird He's just weird. Um, he's collecting body parts. He's some. He's not human. He's some kind of weird creature. He's magical in some way. And everybody's like, this guy really creeps us out because he keeps being like, well, can I have your teeth when you die? Ooh, you have such nice pearly whites. Give me your teeth or give me your art. Ooh, what a nice middle finger. Um, he's the doctor and he's very good at that. And he can't be He's killed. very good at that. Uh, yeah, and also like he takes a cannon shell to the to the face, and he's like, "I I walked it off." It's he chill. can't be killed, but the sorceress could kill him. The sorceress could kill him. He's great. He's very funny. He's very like three PO kind of. Very three PO. Very, very kind 3PO. of camp, campy. Yeah. Um. The uh, audiobook narrator has him talk like this. Ooh. <laughs> and then we have the helmswoman Soleil. I like her. She's cool. She's just a cool, badass lady. Very few character traits other than woman, cool. She's looking for her dad. Looking for her dad. Um, 
Very much like, oh, if there's a second book, I have a thing. We can go well, find the dad. The gun lady's not even listed here. Oh, is she not listed? No, there's the character who can't shoot anything and is comically and cosmically bad at aiming. Yes, yes. Uh, but by the end, she and Laggart, the canon guy, canon master of the Crow's song, um, eventually they um, get over their sort of strife mm-hmm. and the two of them make a really good team mm-hmm. and she's and also she gets glasses yes yes uh so so we mentioned tress meets the dragon and crow was like i'm going to give you tress as a servant and in exchange you're going to get rid of these spores for me um tress is like uh, tress we could talk about the specifics because I think they're fun. Um, manages to get out of this by having Crow become the servant instead and gets three small boons from uh, the dragon. The dragon. She Which gets a, a, a new board for for uh, uh, Fort. Fort, because if the Crow had crushed his board yes. in a previous scene. So he she gets him a new board. She gets a letter that has Soleil's father's location in it, and right, she gets yeah. um, she gets glasses for the character who's just not listed on Coppermine. Is it Lana? Um, or click on Crow's song. Go to yeah. yeah. Anne, it's Anne. It's Anne. Okay. And she's a carpenter, which um, is a more important position than ever. Oh, we didn't mention Tress's other thing that's fun. Well, let's finish talking about what we're talking about. Um, the crew. Yeah, I was just going to say that Tress is also their, the ship's... Part of the reason that the pirate ship lets her stay is that in in this world, all every ship needs a sprouter, which is somebody who knows how to work with the spores to some extent. And no one ever wants to do that job because if you fuck it up, you're you're instantly dead, you know. But Tress takes on that job and learns all about sprouting. Um, it's Sanderson magic system stuff that I I thought was cool, but found it a little harder to follow than sometimes I do with it's his books. It's not- because it's not out of Nalcium magic. Moving on. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Laggart is the guy who is the cannon master, and he's in on the plot with Crow because he's the one who's swapping out the cannonballs to go from the water balloons that uh, make the ships get entangled to just sinking ships with rocks, basically. This um, is my least favorite character because I think he gets a really dumb comeuppance basically <clears throat> so they have they attempt a mutiny against crow right before they get to the dragon they attempt a mutiny and it fails and then they go to the dragon crow is given to the dragon and tress comes back and everybody's like well tress has to be the captain now mm-hmm. <clears throat> laggard is still on the ship and laggard has been just a dirt bag through the whole book it says right here on the wiki, because he has been treated badly his entire life and treated other bad people badly in return, it is difficult for him to recognize genuine kindness. And it's it's just a bad character arc. Because he's basically, he's shitty to everybody around him. And, and from the narrative voice, we know that everybody he's ever met has been shitty to him, and that's why he's shitty to everybody. And so 
Tris when, is nice to him, and he's like, I don't understand. Yeah, Tris, Tris, he's like, well, Tress, now that you're the captain, and, you know, I tried to stop you from mutinying, obviously you need to, like, punish me in some way. You need to throw me overboard, and Tress is like, I'm not going to do that. And so he has this realization of, like, the possibility space of human interaction, and this causes him to freak out. Yeah. Which is whatever. It's it's my least favorite part of the whole book. It all it also is it's a very tiny little thing. You know, it is a very inconsequential just like Brandon got a little too cute with it, I thought. Let's talk about Zeisis. Let's talk about Zeisis. Zeisis is the dragon. Who once again is not the main bad guy of the book. I feel like we talked about the dragon more than the sorceress. The sorceress is the main bad guy. It's hard to talk about the sorceress. It's hard to talk about the sorceress without getting into big Cosmere stuff. The dragon. Uh, he lives under the Crimson Sea. Mm-hmm. He's black uh, with silver horns mm-hmm. and and ridges and stuff which is called dragon steel mm-hmm. if you're curious where the name dragon steel comes from it comes from dragon steel and basically um he's i'm, I'm reading stuff on copper mine right now <laughs> i'm reading things on copper mine right now <laughs> things like <All> right <laughs> uh, detail minor details from different scenes are uh, are given like Proper names. Uh-huh. <laughs> Regardless, he's cool. Yeah. He's researching the spores, and he wants somebody to help him research the spores. He has many servants. And basically, Crow doesn't gag Tress when she brings her down. So Tress is able to say, actually, I've brought Crow as a, an offering to you, rather than me being the offering. And he like sits back, and he's like, okay, well, make your cases. And then they have a bunch of, like logic debate until eventually Tress wins. Tress is... I, I forget if... I forget if this is the exact thing that gets Tress to win, but the thing that makes it feel like Tress is going to win this is... Um, and it's very much a culmination of like her character. We start with Tress. She's Bilbo-coded. Um, she's... I don't want to leave home. I like home. I like, you know, my normal, boring life. I'm fine with that. Um, and she gets to the dragon's lair, and the dragon is like, well, why shouldn't I take you as a servant? Uh, you know, um, I need people who are good with the spores, and this lady makes it sound like you're a natural with the spores. You know, um, you seem pretty smart. Uh, seemed like a great servant to me. And, um, Tress is like, I will spend every moment of every day trying to escape. And let me tell you, like, I was a stowaway on a ship, that ship started to sink, and I hopped over to this pirate ship, and then I started a mutiny against that ship's captain. Like, I will spend every last breath trying to escape from being your servant, and I will just cause you a fucking headache. (laughs) Um, And it's like, I don't know, this whole book, sometimes it feels too cutesy. Sometimes it feels a little pat. And there's definitely, like, I think, in some ways I think this is a great first Cosmere book, because I could give this to you, and I found this a lot of fun. I found this to be a really compelling scene. I really enjoyed it. And I also, if someone read this and was like, this was fucking stupid, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Like, if you think this is a little too, like, goofy, 
if you think this is a little too on the nose, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. This is the closest to Ruby Cosmere has yes. ever gotten. Yes, absolutely it is. <laughs> anyway, um, that's <clears throat> Zysus, the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will come back to this in our Cosmere section. Um, Rapthop, final thoughts before we talk about crazy shit in this book. Um, I do. I think this is one of Sanderson's better books. Um, you know, um, the I found the narrative voice, the the Hoyd stuff, a little grating. Um, I found some of the plot to be a little too, too neat, too yeah. tidy, too. I think the first half drags and it's too cute. Yes, but and on the other hand. Both as a like, I'm invested in the Cosmere. I had a lot of, I got a lot of payoff for being invested in the Cosmere. And there's also like, once I did get over, there's there was a certain element of I'm gonna read this. I, like, there's a certain element of I paid. I I like Brandon books. I'm going to read this. Once I could get over the hump of oh, I'm grading against this a little bit. I did find a lot that I enjoyed, even in the cutesiness, even in Hoyd's bad jokes, even in like there comes a point in the book where it becomes like oh you didn't have to add that weird cuteness onto this this was like a good scene yeah and now this has gone from being the core of the story to being like peppered throughout and it's like okay well i was i didn't really need this that's what Mel, that's what does make it feel like this is a book just for his wife in some ways and that like it can it it's the most it's the most that Sanderson's ever done a fairy tale. You know, it is a very straightforward fairy tale. And that is some of what makes it feel like it was for an audience of one. And that one person was his wife who is going to be fine with him. Who's going to be fine with him waxing poetic about how he likes smart girls more than busty girls or whatever. You know, um, it's not what he said. You're I, thinking of Ernest Klein. <laughs> No, I'm being too mean with Brandon. I with that think one. that this is a weird thing where, yes, there is a lot of, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I recognize that. But also recognizing the references actually made the characters mean different things. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not just, oh, that's the same type of ship as the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It's like, oh, I understand this character on a much deeper level because I know that they have this backstory. Right. I understand a lot more about this character or how they work or what's happening because I know what these words mean. And also, like, you know... It, it is enriching in the moment beyond just recognizing, oh, that's... That's the word from the other book. And also, like, he I said think... said Aeonic. I think all of these things are additive to the very basic fairy tale of girl lives normal, boring life, goes on adventure, uh, discovers a love of adventure. Like, that stuff, that, that, that most basic, like, the bones of the book... I think really, really works. I think Tress is a really compelling character with a really good arc. Um, and that, you know, if that part didn't work, then we wouldn't be talking about all the rest of this. I would like for Tress to never show up again. That won't happen. 
I would like... This book is too popular in the fandom already. This bitch showed up again. I would like for this to just be, oh, there are just adventures that happen in the Cosmere, and Hoyt is not always present because the adventure is tied into some greater plot. And sometimes he just shows up and some cool stuff happens, and he's happy to be there. I, I hope for that. I do think that the fandom has really latched onto this book. And I, I don't know that that's the future that this book has. I think that if anything, we'll see like Laggart. We'll see like yeah, that's Kingdom a- Hearts 3 Riku version of Laggart when he's like gotten over his shit in some other book somewhere. Okay, can we, can we enter the Cosmere section? Yeah. No one's ever... Okay, this is the Cosmere section. We're... All bets are off. All spoilers are on the table. There's some stuff that I've read that you haven't and vice versa. But for the most part, we're pretty much... I don't think anything will come up from Rhythm of War. The one thing is Rhythm of War where we're not... I've read it and you haven't. And there's nothing from Rhythm of War. There's nothing Stormlight. There's nothing Stormlight. Okay. There is some Mistborn stuff, but it'll be fine because it's not even most recent Mistborn stuff. Yeah, it's Mistborn book two, basically. Yeah, essentially. Um... And there's there's seven Mistborn books now. <laughs> uh, plus extra. There's eight Mistborn books now. Plus, you know. Yeah, plus the other stuff. Anyway, so, okay, we're entering Cosmere Zone. All all bets are off. No one's ever been more ghost blood coded than Laggard. <laughs> I don't know Laggard, about that. Laggard is extremely, like... Yeah, he's gonna become a ghost blood at some point. Sure. Well, we know that. I guess the other. I guess Kelsier wouldn't think he's interesting enough to make him a, a ghost blood. But if he if he became a sprouter, if he learned anything about sprouting, absolutely. But we, there is a sprouter in the ghost bloods already. There's a sprouter. Oh, right. There is a the sprouter. guy with the sand. Right there, which uh, is actually, yeah. you know, oh, spores. God. It's rosine spores. Oh my god. People don't know about So there is Mistborn, like, late Mistborn stuff. Yeah, there's late oh, Mistborn. I, I said a late, late, late Mistborn thing that we won't spoil. I've cut there. out a part where you mentioned something that was far beyond Mistborn book two. <laughs> I might have brought up at the end of Mistborn book seven. Who could say? <laughs> um, uh, I will say that there is a Sprouter in... Uh, another book we didn't mm. know that they were a sprouter at the time yeah um but there's a um, i assumed they were a white sand guy just because yes, i didn't know because what of the white sand. sand and sand the the sand masters also use water to fuel their hmm. magic so interesting um so ulam mm-hmm. i was most of this book i was like that MF Contra. Is this a Contra or is this one of those weird guys from Stormlight? Yeah, I did. Because there are a bunch of weird guys from Stormlight that are like, I don't know what your deal is yet. You're not even a, you're not a singer. Yeah. You're not a human. Yeah. You have a weird shadow. Mm-hmm. You have tattoos. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. No, it was interesting because I, I thought... There's almost like once I realized that Ulam was a Chandra, I was like, I feel like Brandon could have played this a little more obvious. I felt like maybe he wanted me to catch on earlier than I did, and I I I just felt an uncertainty, you know. It was also a thing where I was like, 
I wonder if I was reading a physical copy of this instead of listening to the audiobook, if maybe that, like, 1% more attention I'm paying, I would have just pieced together that Ulam is a conjurer, for sure, way earlier. Well, when he digests part of the vines to get out from being grappled is probably... Probably, yeah. But, um, he's a freak. He's a freak. I love that dude, dude. Let's talk about the sorceress. Okay, so the sorceress has a laptop... Oh, you mean a view screen or a, uh... This bitch has a laptop. <laughs> I was not prepared for laptops. Remember? Well, here's the thing. This is, Hoyd also mentions, yes, this is very similar to those people who showed up at your planet. So who is this book written to? <sighs> what do you mean? Who is this book written to? Cause who is the your planet? that he keeps saying because it's not oh. earth it's not earth and it's not scandrail right and also this is one of the latest books in the timeline right because, because... he mentions something from sixth of the dusk god yeah i don't know which that story is the last chronologically so far and this seems to take place in the future where mistborn has become a space opera yeah I guess, I guess, yeah, that does make the most sense timeline-wise. I don't know anything about Six of the Dusk, so... It's a very short novella that is not really that important. I should just read Arcanum Unbounded at some point. I should just go cover to cover on it and... Well, maybe. But, so, I don't know. This seems like a really late book. Yeah. Like, she's got a laptop. She gives Fort an iPad. That's his magic board. Uh, it's... It's Nalthian. Shut the fuck up. It's an iPad. It's a... It's Nalthian. It's... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess... It's Awakened? Is that from Warbreaker? Is that Nalthian? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So, Warbreaker. Really, really cool book. One of my favorite Cosmere books. I didn't finish it. You're crazy. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. And then... Warbreaker stuff started showing up in stormlight at a certain point and i really need a sequel to warbreaker if only because i feel like there was a lot of stuff about the magic system in warbreaker that i was supposed to understand for reading stormlight and for reading this book and for reading like a lot i don't think it's come up i i, I just the actual I, magic of warbreaker hasn't come up it's just been characters from that world yeah, what's his name? Vash? Vasher. Vasher, thank you. I, it, like, like, light rhythm of war thing. There's a thing where he tells Kaladin about, like, awakening in rhythm of war. He's like, oh yeah, I'm awakened, and blah 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 blah, and Kaladin doesn't understand any of it. Um, I think he just uses weird color-based expressions. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just... There's so much Warbreaker stuff that I just feel like I I need Brandon to write the sequel to Warbreaker, or I need well the sequel to Warbreaker is one of those books that isn't out yet but has a title already. Right, yeah. So it's a Dragon Steel. It's a whatever. It's called Nightblood. Oh right, of course it's called Nightblood because it's going to be about Nightblood. I thank God it's not another noun verber. <laughs> um. What so, a, I, 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 the, the sorceress, I thought the confrontation with the dragon was a, oh, okay. It was a weird anticlimax because of how much the dragon's been built up in other stuff. Yeah. And it hasn't really been built up in other books. 
It's just that the fact that there is one dragon in the Cosmere that exists and Hoyd is friends with him and he, like Hoyd, predates the Shattering is just like a weird group of facts that everyone who's really deep into asking Brandon all the questions at signings and stuff is like latched onto. But it ended up not really mattering in this story that much. Yeah. Although now we have yeah, the it, explanation of what the word dragon steel means. That's a, that's the thing is that you meet the dragon and he's just a guy. He's, he's just, just a, a guy. he's just a guy. He's living his life. He's doing stuff. People are hammering outside our building. He's just a guy who apparently, according to the wiki, is a tenth heightening awakener. Yeah, whatever that means. I mean, I do know what that means nominally, but it's also been a while since I read Warbreaker, so. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, the sorceress is an Elantrian. Um, also, on Zysus, also known as Frost, mm-hmm. is one of the letters in one of the Stormlight books. Yes, yes. The other the, the other interaction with this character that we've had. What is going on? Construction. Okay. Um. The 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 other is that some of the chapter headers um in words of radiance I want to say are Hoyd writing letters to um shards. Sh- uh, well, no, it's not even Hoyd wrote letters to shards such as Zysus. Zeiss is not a shard. Zeiss is not a shard, but he does write a letter to to Zeiss or Frost or whatever. It's, it's Frost and it's Harmony, right? Um, asking for them to help out with this whole Odium situation, and them writing back to tell him no. I think also possibly autonomy. I don't know. I I, I, I don't remember. It's been a minute. We'll read. I'm it. a little. I'm a little lost on the autonomy situation Uh, don't worry about it that's only one book yeah that's the thing is that like i know how autonomy fits into that one book yeah and i know that autonomy is going to be a big bad overall in the cosmere maybe question mark but i don't have a good i know I, i know the stakes with odium you know i know what happens if odium wins I know what Odium wants. I don't have a good grasp yet on, like, who Autonomy is, what Autonomy wants. Anyway. Well, it's in the name. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of... We- oh. Jesus Christ! What's <laughs> going on out there? Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in this book. A lot of the Elantrian stuff. There's a... Okay, so, like, the big... So- Hoyd now is an, an Elantrian. Also. Yeah, yeah. So like the big, the big payoff. So so, Hoyd, before the events of this book, went and saw the sorceress, and she cursed him to lose his sense of taste. And, and he talks in nonsense. That he wears his socks with sandals and blah 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 blah. And he can't talk about where she is, and he can't talk about how to break his own curse. Yes, his. His and, curse was a bet with mm-hmm. the sorceress. And he allowed himself to be cursed. And if he can get uncursed, then he will be allowed to become an Elantrian. Yes. This raises many questions. This raises many questions. About what the Irie are up to right now. How does one become an Elantrian not being in Elantris? I thought that was their whole deal. I don't know. 
We'll get back to it, I guess. <laughs> I don't um, know. There's... Fucking, what's his name? Raiden ran around town carving a circle into the ground. <laughs> anyway, um... Uh, so the, the the big payoff to this is that, like, like Hoyd spends the whole book, partially for people who don't know who he is, being like, I was a super cool badass at the time, but I was cursed. And so, like, I could have solved the situation with my super cool badass magic, but I was too busy being cursed to do anything about it. Um, and, and then, like, you know, um, Hoyd and, and Ulam both are like, because Hoyd and Ulam go way back. Like, way back. Like, way back. Like, way back. Um, and Hoyd and Ulam both are like, oh, yeah, Ulam could totally be helping Hoyd with this whole curse situation, but isn't because he finds it kind of amusing to see Hoyd be in such a situation, basically. And so the big the big thing at the end of the book is that, like, um, Hoyd, uh, his curse is broken, and now, all of a sudden, he's doing light weaving, he's doing, like, you know... Asterisk. Well, well, okay, I... Because there's two different types. Yes. Scro- can you scroll up to the list of Hoid powers for me at the top of this page? Well, I mean, there's spoilers here that I don't want to look at, so no. Okay, but he's he's doing, like, you know, he's doing his super cool badass magic that he can do um, and just, like, kicks the sorceress's ass in, like, zero seconds flat. Well, he blocks her attacks. Yeah. And then he doesn't have to fight her because he's won the bet. Yeah. And she just leaves. So he does light weaving, but the other light weaving. Uh Uh-huh. The light weaving that Brandon wrote before making the Stormlight Archive that is a different form, is a different art entirely. It is not surge binding. Right. I don't even know if it's still going to be called light weaving because I well, assume... Well, he says light weaving okay. in the book, I Well, think. Th- that's his own problem for calling everything noun verbing, so... Um. But he's also... He's... Apparently he's... he's he, We know that he's a Mistborn. Uh-huh. Apparently he learned about Awakening and some other stuff. I do know that about that. I don't know. He's got some surge binding, he's, he's I think. He's got some weird stuff. Does he? I don't I, know about I think that. so. I think the last time, I think at the end of Words of Radiance, he like forms a spren bond, doesn't he? I think that's the epilogue to Words of Radiance, is that he bonds with a spren. The epilogue to Words of Radiance is about that one guy showing up. Is it the epilogue to Oathbringer? No. There's an ep- there's an Ahoyd epilogue where he's like, hey spren little buddy, don't you want to be my friend? Maybe. That might be Oathbringer. That sound- I think that's Oathbringer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Because the one at the end of Wars of Radiance is that guy showing up. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm 2,000 years late. It makes, yeah, it makes way more sense if it's Oathbringer, now that I think about it. Just, like, where the Sprinter at. Um, and he's got storytelling magic as well, but I don't understand what that's about. Yeah, who cares? Um, uh, but now he's an Elantrian, and here's the quote on the page from that. It was constructed of Aeons, which I could now draw. The mechanics might bore you. The results, though, were spectacular. <laughs> yes, the mechanics might bore me. <laughs> so true. So true, King. Um, so, I don't know. His knowledge of Aeondor is strong enough he's able to hack the system in order to use it off of cell. Okay, so, well, asked I don't and answered, know. I guess. I don't fucking know. At, at some point, my man is going to have to put out, like, the the... 
Like the that's man. The, that's the finale. Is Dragon Steel and the the last book. Yeah. At some point, the the man. Because I know, like, Brandon and his team have their own internal wiki that they use, right? And I I assume that one of the end game things is we put out a big coffee table book that's just got all that in there for you. Is that we turned our wiki into like here's a gigantic fuck off book with tons of illustrations and you can just look at it all and see it all spelled out for you. That'll be the thing that comes out in 25 years. That yeah, that'll come out in 2040 and then you know um the next generation of of Cosmere fans are all gonna start out by reading that thing instead of like fucking reading Mistborn. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I, I don't know. People get weird ideas in their head. Anyway, we knew already that Hoyd wanted to collect all the different magics. Yeah, he, Hoyd is a Pokemon master, but uh, he's gotta catch them all. Anyway, well, yeah, that's it for Tress. Um. We'll be back. At the very least, I think April we're getting the next Secret Project book. Maybe. Uh, I have my doubts about getting our, you know, our leather-bound, you know, our, our nice copy <laughs> brackets, a nice copy of uh, whatever the next Secret Project book is. But uh, we're definitely going to be getting a um, audiobook, and so hopefully we'll be back in April with that, and you know. Then there's May and June with no new Brandon book, and maybe we'll get back to Mistborn. Hopefully, you know, no promises right now because um, we're busy people. We're very busy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so look forward to that. Um, this, I uh, I assume, Nora's editing this, but I assume that this will be in the, free, in the uh, Patreon feed a week early, just like Arcanum used to be, and then, you know... Everybody else will get this uh, next week. And we should do plugs, I guess. Yeah, do some plugs. You can find me on Twitter, at Autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host, at Autumnal. You can go to exportaud.io to support this podcast. You get free feeds for all the shows there. Well, we have links there to all the free feeds. And we have, um, uh, 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 for $1 a month, you get this podcast a week early. You get Mordor Movie Night a week early. You get Ornate Stairwells. You get Gotham City Limits. All sorts of stuff. Um, and then for $5 a month, um, you're going to get um, episodes of Coffee and Comic Books. Um, there's some bonus audio. Just two minutes of you and me goofing recently. Um, there's, you know, a bunch of stuff at the $5 level. Uh, Nora, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora or on co-host at Ashworm, Ash with an E, Worm with a Y, and find stuff I've done at norablake.online and on other podcasts. New podcast coming soon. New podcast? Mm-hmm. You told me an idea for a podcast. I didn't know you were pulling the trigger on that. It's not my podcast idea. Okay. I just didn't know you were doing that. That's exciting. The third in our series after We Are the Champions and uh tension duelists mm -hmm. draws nigh yeah so look forward to that bye everybody say <laughs> do we have a sign off for this i don't know there's always another secret there's always another book there's always another brandon there's always another brandon